Yes, sir. Hey. You're tuned in to the Upper Room Podcast, powered by the Eastern Star Church. I go by the name of Pastor Jay, and I'm feeling good in the Upper Room. And it's your man, Pastor P, and I'm feeling outstanding in the Upper Room. Hey, we're coming out the preseason, and we're entering into the regular season. It's game time, baby. It's game time. All yeah. trades are on the table. <laughs> Listen, we recruiting. <laughs> all right, we scouting. All right. You understand me. All, all, all trades are on the table. We're looking for free agents, okay? <laughs> we're like the Brooklyn Nets out here. No, we're like the Pacers. Everything must go. Man, I was about to <laughs> <laughs> everything. Pacers having the whole clearance sale. They having all. They took their reset to heart. Like, <laughs> <laughs> they say, oh, Pastor Johnson called for a reset. Oh. a reset. Right. Hey, it's a bonus. You're out of here. Yeah. We should always ask him. Just be like, hey, man, you still been doing the chaplaincy over there at the Pacers? You been preaching spiritual reset, huh? Because yeah. they been flushing the toilet, man. I'm trying to tell you. I ain't mad at him, though. No. Nah, we all know. need that Pacer mindset to get reset it. Man. I don't know if that's a word, but. But yeah, we'll take it, man. At this point, it's some resetting in, in it. There's some this resetting in this. Yeah, resetting in this history. Yeah. This needed to be <laughs> happens happen happen to. Thank y'all for tuning in to the upper room. This is our first official episode, and we're so delighted to have our senior pastor that popped up in the upper room. Man, he done pulled up to the upper room, y'all. The like, goat, the legend himself. How dope is that? Yeah. To have the pastor come uh-huh. through. Huh? Yeah, yeah. And mess with us common folk. Mess with the common folk. You know, it reminds me of a man named Jesus. Oh, watch no, it now. I'm watch it, Doc. Watch, watch, watch it. We got the preacher, the legend himself on, on the first episode. So tune in, buckle up. We talked to him about a lot of things. We talked to him about the sabbatical. We talked to him about reset. We talked to him about preaching and pastoring. He dropped some gems as usual. So you want to make sure you tune into that. And make sure you tune in always to the Upper Room Podcast powered by Eastern Star Church. Pull up. If God says you can have it, you can have it. If God says you can do it, you can do it. Had y'all said amen, I would have kept going. Now I got to prove what I just said. This is Pastor Jeffrey A. Johnson, Sr. I'm the senior pastor of the Eastern Star Church in Indianapolis and Fishers, Indiana. And you are tuned in to the Upper Room Podcast. And it's powered by the Eastern Star Church. We got a special guest that just pulled up, or just pulled in, hey. whatever the terminology is. He is the senior pastor of the Eastern Star Church that powers the Upper Room Podcast. He has been the senior pastor here at Eastern Star Church for now almost 34 years. Uh, he has grown the church tremendously, not just by number and people and buildings, uh, but by disciples, and even more so recently by um, community activism and community development and he is the goat the preacher himself phenom the bishop my <laughs> pops jeffrey johnson senior sean how are you good welcome to the upper room sir thank you very much <laughs> yeah. mr p you good yes sir doing great man wonderful 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 glad to hear it yes sir yes sir yeah so yeah we wanted to usher you into the upper room as you usher us into this new phase of uh, ministry in, in the podcast space. Uh, just another way of communicating the gospel and uh, just being a part of the, the cultural conversation as we try to uh, be representatives for, for the kingdom and for Christ. And so yeah. thanks for sitting down with us for a second. 
Yeah, right on. My privilege. So we know people all over the nation and all over the world know you as a preacher, preacher, and you a preacher down to the core. I'm curious, if you weren't a preacher, can you see yourself being anything other than a preacher? And well, so I, what I used to say what I would be, but I offended a group of people, so I won't. <laughs> you said offended? Uh-oh. I offended them. Oh. Because I, I said I if if I were not a preacher, I would um I'd work for the car wash and go, come on, come on, come on, come on, stop. <laughs> put it in park, put it in neutral. Right. And um and then the car wash, one of our members worked for a car wash, a couple of our members worked. They wanted me to come work there with them so that I, I could see how difficult it was and all the things that they did. So I didn't want to offend. I wanted, actually wanted to try to make that work, but I don't think the owner wanted me up there. <laughs> that, uh, that's actually some great content. Yeah. We could get that on camera somehow. But uh, yeah. Day in the life. I, I can't do anything. This is, this is, I, I got called to preach when I was 17, mm. and I started pastoring when I was 22. Right. This is, this is all I've done. This is all I've wanted to do. Mm. Um, when, and, you know, when you're in college, they tell you, you got to have a plan B. And um, I guess my, my plan B would have been some other part of ministry somewhere. Mm-hmm. So I'm with the Apostle Paul. That if I'm not, woe is me if I don't preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. So mm-hmm. I, I don't have any other skills outside of, <laughs> of what I'm doing with Eastern Star Church. Right. But being called at 17, was I'm sure that was kind of an interesting thing to go through as a teenager, about to graduate from high school, going to college. How did you kind of deal or uh, yeah kind of deal with your calling as a as a teenager uh well for for one thing i i accepted christ when i was 13 mm. i started reading the bible when i was 15 i've read the bible every day of my life <laughs> since, <laughs> since i was 15 years old wow. yeah and i fell in love with scripture i fell in love with the bible and i wanted to learn it and know it and um and when the lord called me to preach i was a teenager and i was at a church that didn't do a lot of association and affiliation with other churches, definitely not with conventions and conferences and things like that. So I was very limited in my exposure mm. uh, until I got to Bishop College when I was, I don't know, 17 or 18 when I, I don't remember right. when I went to school. Uh, but uh, just trying to hear God's voice and reading God's word. And when I got to Bishop, being around a bunch of other young preachers, men and women, teenagers <laughs> and young in their early 20s and and learning from them and, and their exposure was very, very helpful to me. But I, I just spent a lot of time in prayer as a, as a teen and a lot of time in God's word, mm. and it helped me to, to focus. Yeah. So, I mean, praise God that you didn't, you know, turn out to be a car wash <laughs> technician. But you accepted your call, and and uh, you've been rocking ever since. But even with that, the whole piece about you know the car wash and how you know they were somewhat offended because we don't know what the work is behind of right. them just you know telling us to put neutral on our cars. Um, <laughs> That's good. The same can be said about pastoring. The same can be said about you know the preacher of the gospel in that you know majority of people just see the preacher in the public space behind the pulpit, you know, doing public speech and don't know the real, um, the workload behind the scenes or, you know, the stress that could cause on a person, on an individual and their families. So, but you've been in the game now for over, well, 33, 33 years here at Eastern Star Church. How long have you been pastoring period? Well, I pastored uh, three years where you were born. 
uh, and Terra Hope. Terra Hope, <laughs> T Hope. Let's go. <laughs> shout out to Terra Hope. It's a shout out to the Hope. <laughs> <laughs> Did it smell that's like the, it then? Would it smell like today? Yeah, <laughs> you, the you must have went to Indiana State. Yeah. So that's a very interesting environment. Yeah. Terra Hope, but the St. Paul Church was the first church I pastored. Right. For three years, and then coming here, uh, and. April will be 34 years. Wow. Mm. And um, so it, it's a lot. Pastor E.K. Bailey, who's in glory now, pastor the Concord Church in, in Dallas, Texas. Mm-hmm. And in one of his sermons, he was talking to his members who I guess they would kept telling him with decisions he was making, I wouldn't have made those decisions. I would have did. And he said, the reason you're saying that is because you don't see what I see. Mm-hmm. You don't know what I know. If you were seeing what I'm seeing mm-hmm. and know what I'm knowing, you would be making these decisions. And so uh, people didn't see what Pastor Bailey was doing and didn't know where the ministry was. And, right. and um, mm. I was just recently sharing with somebody, and, and A. Lewis Patterson Jr., Dr. Patterson pointed this out. He was looking in the book of Exodus, and uh, in the book of Exodus, God, of course, sends Moses to deliver the children of Israel out of bondage in Egypt. And in chapter Exodus chapter 7, verse 1, it says, And the Lord spoke to Moses. And then in Exodus chapter 8, verse 1, it says, And the Lord spoke to Moses. Exodus chapter 9, verse 1. And the Lord spoke to Moses. In, in all of those verses, in all those chapters, in the first verse, it says, And the Lord spoke to Moses. Mm-hmm. And he said, The first time you hear from the people is in chapter 15. And they're shouting because they just made it through the Red Sea on dry ground. <laughs> so uh, God wasn't speaking to every individual in Israel about how to get out of bondage. Yeah, that's right. Y'all were in bondage when I got here, but uh-huh. Moses. Is so God is speaking to him about getting them out. Mm. And so, of course, those persons were telling Moses, if I were you, here's what I'd do. And Moses is going, y'all don't see the big picture. You don't see what I see. You don't know what I know. And God ain't speaking to you like this. And so there are a lot of things that go on in, in pastoring from the, every now and then somebody, which I, I always thought this was the best compliment in terms of my preaching. Mm -hmm. They would walk up and people say, Oh, it was right. What I needed. Oh, this is, um, how you get that out of that and all that. That's great. But here's what they'll say. Pastor, I really appreciate your preparation. Mm-hmm. There's no way you would be able to do that without preparation. And just the hours and hours that go into mm-hmm. trying to figure out ancient texts mm-hmm. written in a different language to a different culture in a different time and trying to figure out what did this original writer meant mean when he wrote this or she wrote this. And then how do I make that relevant and portable and practical so my, our members can take this and live it out in their lives? Mm-hmm. Well, that takes time to do that. Yeah. yeah. You know, we, we, we used to call it at Bishop College when people try to write a message on Saturday night and then preach it on Sunday morning, a Saturday night special. <laughs> Y'all too young to know what a Saturday night special is. We know but then we've heard a couple of them. <laughs> so, I, and I'm not a Saturday night special preacher. So just yeah. the, uh, the preparation, the time, the energy, the effort, the prayers, the trying to understand it, the trying to interpret it, the trying to hear God's voice, the trying to do it right, the exegeted, the, the, right. the, um, 
the, the right narrative and um, hermeneutic and to do that for Wednesday and then be ready to do that again Sunday. Uh, Kevin Cosby said that that writing a sermon and preaching a sermon is like doing a when you're in college, you do term papers. And that's a little extra from the little report from a little book you got to get. But you do term papers. He said it's like writing a term paper every week. Hmm. And then in his case, thousands of people are reading it and judging it. That's right. And so when you finish with that, uh, now you got to counsel people. (laughs) Then you got to do visitation. Hmm. Then you got to deal with families that are are grieving uh, because of the death of a loved one. Then you got to minister to that family and deal with that homegoing service. Then you got to do the visiting hospitals and nursing homes and um, and then, of course, schools want you to come and talk to them about educational situations and systems. And then you got to deal with, with social issues from injustice, uh, the criminal system, holy systems, um, the uh, food deserts, the educational desert, all the so people expect black pastors mm. to do, you know, you, you walk in those situations, you know, you don't see not one white pastor here. Yeah, man. Because there's no expectation for them to do that. Mm-mm-mm. And uh, I'll think of his name before we get finished. But one white pastor, pastor, was a professor and a pastor in, in Tennessee. I'm going to think of his name in a minute. And he wrote a book called Preaching. And uh, Reverend uh, Dr. Ralph Douglas West recommended the book to me because I wanted to start reading about narrative preaching. So I called my professor, <laughs> Dr. West. <laughs> Dr. West. And West. so he, uh, he gave me five or six books to read about narrative preaching. And mm-hmm. this, was, this was one of them. And when I read it, it's an old white professor and pastor. And he said, we can, he told white preachers and pastors, we can learn from black pastors and black preachers. Because not only do they speak to a community, mm. they speak for a community. Right. And in so many of these white churches and white pastors, they speak to community. Sure. Here's what you ought to be. Here's what you ought to, you ought to get your heart rate up. But when it's time to speak for affordable housing mm. or for a <laughs> uh, sovereignist food desert issue that we have yeah. or for the educational system where resources and money go to the most wealthy communities in the state of Indiana and across the nation and the poor communities don't get the resources that those persons get. It's a, it's systemic mm-hmm. that keep black and brown people from receiving the education that they need to have. So they'll speak to a community. But where are you in speaking for a community? So all of that goes into right. being, at least for me, I can't speak for every black church and every black preacher, but at least for me to do that. Because I can't just preach to you and then send you home and don't help the systems yeah. that are trying to shut you back and hold you down and keep you out. Right. I mean, I think that's what true preaching is, right? The Bible talks about Jesus being the word made flesh. And a lot of times I think, one of the differences between, and I hate to use the distinction, but it is what it is, the white church and the black church is that the white church focuses in on more so 
the doctrine mm-hmm. and the black church has to deal with the experience. Mm-hmm. And Jesus was the word in that the theology yeah. and he's the flesh. It, he's the word made flesh. He, he's amongst the, he lives in our experience. He's mm-hmm. in our experience with us. And I think uh, for your ministry, that's what you have become for so many people is I'm going to divide this ancient text so that you can understand it and live it out. But at the same time, I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to visit you when your yeah. loved one is sick. I'm going to bury mm-hmm. your loved one. I'm going to counsel you through all of this. And, and that's a, a major thing to have, you know, a pastor who, who has a heart for people yeah. the way that you do, which yep. it goes beyond just the preaching, like you said. Yeah. And I know, um, people took to your preaching um, they gravitated toward it like crazy as the church was really starting to grow. And I think a big part of that is the simplicity. Mm-hmm. It maintains the complexity, right, in the depth of it, but you are able to say it in a way where a variety of people can receive it. But the preaching side of it, even though that's primarily what people were drawn to, there was still the big social expression piece that you've been big on. And being young, and I know we'll transition into sabbatical and – but the balance piece as you were growing and learning, would, did that come easy for you? How did you kind of balance that or did you balance it as you were mature? I mean, you, you think about the, the white evangelicals yeah, and the influence that they've had not only on white churches and pastors and ministers and preachers, but on us. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. all you need to do is get Jesus in your heart and that's it. I, I went to a conference <laughs> about three or four weeks ago and a black speaker was up and he was name dropping and he mentioned Rick Warren. Everybody knows that name. Mm -hmm. And so he said he got a chance to spend some significant time with Rick Warren. And so he's name dropping. And then he said, before he left Rick Warren, what advice and counsel do you have for me as a young minister and a young pastor? And he said, Rick Warren told him, Here's what you need to do. Go home, take care of your wife, and take care of your children. And that's all you need to do. That's the white evangelical message. Get it right in your heart and take care of you and yours. Mm. Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Not just to my family, Mm. to, to set uh, prisoners free because there was injustice in their prison, in their penal system right? to restore sight to the blind and, and the men broken hearted. Well, they try to make that all oh, your, your heart. No, these people had eye conditions. That's why Jesus was giving sight to the blind. This man born blind and, and they didn't have eye care and the dirt and the dust from Israel all in their eyes. And they know how to take care of that. That's physical. That's, that's healthcare. And then, to set the oppressed free. Yeah. Okay, but that's not just my, my wife family. and my four <laughs> sons. Yeah. Right. That's a that's a community. That's a people. Mm-hmm. And so, but that doctrine yeah. has so influenced not just white churches, right, but black churches mm-hmm. and black preachers and pastors and me. Mm-hmm. Then I go to Bishop <laughs> College, and I'm hearing, oh, there's a social expression of faith. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, okay, but Jesus dealt with the oppressed. God always identified with the oppressed. That's right. Jane, you ask, you're going to ask me, what did I read? James Cone said it. <laughs> James Cone, God. <laughs> <laughs> always identified with the oppressed. Yeah. When, when God sent Moses to Egypt, 
it wasn't that just hang out with the king. It was to set the oppressed free. Jesus in the New Testament identified <laughs> with the poor. I was hungry. Mm-hmm. When did we see you hungry? I identified with these poor people, these left out people, these least people. So, yes, it took a while for me to try to, I haven't found a balance, but at least I recognize that I got to lean towards the social to balance all that personal individual stuff that I was influenced by early on. Mm-hmm. I got to balance that now. Right. Yeah. That's why a, a lot of the, the things you hear me preaching now, it's a lot of social Absolutely. stuff. It's, it's intentional. If you're going to be woke socially, you have to be woke spiritually. Too many of us claiming I'm woke socially, but you sleep spiritually. That's why you don't have the power to accomplish what you're trying to do. And then others claim to be so spiritual. I'm, I'm woke spiritually, but you're not doing anything socially. They go hand in hand because the spiritual gives rise to the social. In regard to putting it at a level, to, I preach at a ninth grade level on purpose. Mm-hmm. On intentionally, I preach at a ninth grade. Most people don't read at graduate school level. <laughs> right. So I do it intentionally. Everybody got to preach the way God gives it to you. And I use a lot of stories yeah. and illustrations. Right. When I look at Jesus preaching, he always told stories. He always gave illustrations. Kingdom of heaven is like. And so uh, that, so I can get a five-year-old to understand as well as a high schooler, as well as somebody with a, with a PhD. Sure. And that, all of that is intentional in, in me trying to present the gospel to reach as many people as I possibly can. Right. And I mean, we definitely, uh, you know, appreciate that. And even going back to what you said about the piece on the doctrine versus you know, the lived out experience is that we see that now, like like what you said with the white evangelicals and their discussion on racism and uh, critical race theory mm. <laughs> and all these other terms that they use to describe it and not necessarily deal with the issue. And so we can talk about the doctrine in the white church, but in the black church context with the black pastor, we not we just don't have what it takes to discuss these things but we are experiencing, we are living in it. We are being affected by the system. And then so for you as the pastor, as the black pastor in a black community and congregation, what you're saying is, is not, we're not just going to talk about it um, spiritually and socially, but we're also going to actually do the work, right? We're actually going to go out and build communities. We're actually going to go and, and try to organize people so that they can fight for their own rights and decisions against the system. And so with all the work that you've done over, you know, 35 plus years of, 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 of pastoring, it was finally time for you to think about, well, how can I begin to pour into my, to my own life, right? How can I, as they say on the airplane, when, you know, the emergency takes place, you know, you put the mask on yourself before you help other people. So when it took, you know, over 30 years for you to realize this, or like, how did you come to this conclusion? Like, all right, now it's time for me to take a sabbatical. And I love the fact that you didn't even, and maybe we can dive into this a little bit, but you didn't even let the pandemic, yeah, you know what I mean, keep you from making that investment into your own life. So talk about how you came to the mindset of, all right, it's time for me to take the sabbatical. Well, um, 
I'll say this. I, I was going through while I was on sabbatical or getting planning for getting ready to go. I was going through some old emails mm-hmm. and old notes that I, you know, technology. Now you keep your stuff forever. And I was talking about taking a sabbatical 10 years ago wow. and writing down. Here's why I need to do it. Here's mm-hmm. what it's all about. And I was doing research 10 years ago and never follow through with it. Mm-hmm. And so part of the reason I never follow through with it, there were, there were not many models I was aware of. Right. I asked Dr. Jeremiah Wright, <laughs> came here preaching for Progressive Church and Pastor Mike Jones passed. So we all went to dinner together. And Dr. Jeremiah Wright had been at his church for more than 40 years in Chicago. And I said, Doc, how many sabbaticals have you had in 40 years? He said zero. Wow. A. Lewis Patterson had been at his church for four decades. I said, Doc, how many sabbaticals have you taken? None. And so the people that I'm looking to as mm. my model for ministry, mm. they didn't take them. So I was like, man, if they don't, why, why do I need one? These are the, some of the greatest preachers and pastors <laughs> and what they're doing around the world. Right. So uh, that was a part of it. The other thing, and, and Pastor P, you brought up how our church was growing. So our church was growing, people giving their life to the Lord, people recommitting their life. People wanted to get in full-time ministry. People want you, you talk about what kind of responsibility do I have as a pastor? Well, I'm also the CEO. I'm not right, just right. a pastor. That's I get, huge. That's right. We got 75, 80 people to work here. Right. And that ain't counting the the finance people and the the architects, the engineers, and all the, the plumbers. and all, They ain't counting all them coming in. And that falls under my responsibility. Sure, yeah. And so it's all it was always something to do. Mm. Church growing, I need to be here. New members, they just get like, I need to be. So it's always something. Building a building, but it was always something. Because even as you were growing, you didn't have any people working for you. Exactly. Was, no. You were the youth no. pastor. I, yeah, you were the Sunday <laughs> right. school teacher. You were the. Which was cool. I learned most of these positions. So when I'm telling somebody to do something or asking somebody to get it done, I have some idea of what right. you're up against. Yep. But you're right. I did a lot of that myself. Right. And, um, but it, it, it was always something. It, it, something would jump off in the community. <laughs> so uh, it was it was always some reason why I wouldn't go. Yeah. Mm. And then um, I started listening to pastors that did take sabbaticals and why they took them and the benefit of them. And, and even with that, it was, it was like, do I want to do this? Because many of them had nightmare stories mm. about what happened when they were gone. So, um, and, 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 but one thing, developing disciples, developing Christian leaders in our ministry and developing the staff, I can, I could go somebody, I got people in place that can handle what needs to be handled. Right. But then the pandemic hit. Yeah. And, um, and we have been, you know, we planned for a whole year for the sabbatical. And then the pandemic hits, and I was a, supposed to go to South Africa mm. and supposed to go Call to Israel. <laughs> I was supposed to go on a Caribbean cruise for 11 days. And so I had all this stuff lined up, and uh, the Lilly Foundation and the Clergy Renewal Program was financing some of it. The Eastern Star Church was financing some of it. And, uh, and so it, the plan was set. Then the pandemic hit. I couldn't go to those places. <laughs> Uh, people are losing jobs. People right. are sick. Our community are not being tested. Um, mm. And we're being hospitalized more. We're dying more. 
And I'm talking about leaving. Right. So I was like, no, I, I'm not going. But uh, the leadership of this ministry, and then we put together a, uh, a sabbatical task force. We used to call them committees when I yeah. first started. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Task force. <laughs> but um, a cabinet. And they made sure Auxiliary. that we followed through on the plan. And they gave a lot of encouragement, encouragement to make it happen. And my yeah. thing was, okay, I'm leaving. Here are the 10 areas I cover. Mm, help us. How are we going to address these 10 areas when I'm gone? Yeah. And so all of that was a part of the planning and right. reality. And like I tell people, I didn't know that we didn't know the pandemic was going to come when we started planning. God did. And he like this, this snuck up on God and I can't make it without Jeffrey Johnson. <laughs> so uh, God can make it with or without me. Mm. So, uh, and one thing I learned when we were trying to encourage the church to honor the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Right. Is you don't have to work seven days a week and 12 hours a day. Mm. Take that day. God can make it a day without you working. <laughs> so I had to learn that, that, that Moses took time and uh, Jesus took time. Moses and Jesus need to go somewhere. Come on now. They, Come and, on. and they, you know, who Moses dealing with people who were oppressed and just out of bondage and still haven't gotten, they don't even live in their first house yet. They ain't got their first job yet. These all they unemployed. And, and, and mm. he, he went away mm. and Jesus in the first century, all that oppression from the Romans yeah. right. That's to good. the Israelites. Yeah. And Jesus went away. And, uh, and my mentor said, if you don't, if you don't get apart, you're going to fall apart. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so, um, <laughs> I got apart to prevent myself from falling apart. And what I, help the church to understand through all that Sabbath, honoring the Sabbath, remember the Sabbath, is that God is in control. It's so dope to talk to the goat. You know what I mean? Facts, man. It's like... How often does one have an opportunity to talk to a goat? Man, it's not a literal goat. Well, yeah, not a literal goat. <laughs> you know, there are people that talk to literal goats. <laughs> but now, when you got somebody that has been around and seen the growth, uh, like the bishop has, and to be able to kind of just glean from his insight over the years, man, it's super, yeah. super, super valuable. Dude. Yeah, the goat, the legend himself was able to come through. And, I mean, the interview was so intense we had to break it up in two parts, you know? Yeah. So for those of you who are tuned in right now, we appreciate y'all for tuning in to the Upper Room Podcast. Hopefully you enjoyed that first, the first half mm -hmm. of Talking with Goats. Talking with Goats. <laughs> talking with the goat. And for those of y'all who thoroughly enjoyed it, we got a second dose yeah. of Talking to Goats. Yes. So make sure y'all grab y'all's popcorn, y'all's pen and pad. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And go ahead and... Let's hear some further thoughts and ideas. Yeah, so for those of you uh, who have yet to do this, go ahead and subscribe to the channel right now. That way you already know when the second half comes out. So tune in next week. You get a second dose of the GOAT. And as always, he's dropping gems, words of wisdom, and he's just an overall good guy. Man. Thank y'all for listening to the Upper Room Podcast, powered by the Eastern Star Church. I'm Pastor J. Pastor P. We'll see y'all next time. Like, subscribe, rate, share. Peace. <laughs> <laughs>